Welcome back to another volume of Truly Disturbing Tales from Reddit. Today we're going to be narrating three new unsettling stories taken directly from the platform. I encourage you all to sit back, grab a snack, and enjoy these terrifying personal accounts. Now, without any further delay, let's jump right in. This incident happened about five years ago, and this is a story that I never really tell anymore because most people are either uncomfortable hearing it or make well-meaning comments about what I should have done in the situation without really understanding how differently your mind works when you're experiencing absolute panic. But you guys seem to get it, so here's my story. I was living in a relatively nice apartment in downtown Memphis working as an ophthalmic technician. I arrived home from work at my usual time, right around 4.30 p.m., unlocked my door, and went inside. I set my phone, wallet, and keys on the kitchen island, hearing my heavy metal front door swing shut loudly behind me, and I began taking care of some errands around the house. Having grown up in a small town, and much to the cringe of many of you listening, it was a habit for me to not lock my door during the day, especially when I knew my husband would be home soon anyway. I've never forgotten to lock my door once in the five years since this happened. I walked through my bathroom and into my large walk-in closet and began hanging up the laundry that I'd started earlier in the day before work. My front door opened and I smiled with surprise. My husband was home a little early and I happily called out to him. I'm in here, love. I was met with silence and slowly began to feel that sinking feeling of something is wrong crawl right up my spine. I tried to shake it off though, thinking that my husband simply hadn't heard me, and I walked out into my living room slash kitchen area. Standing on the other side of my kitchen island was a complete stranger. He was male, older than me, I would estimate in his 50s, but it's hard for me to recall exact facial features or details from this moment. And he was just standing there, staring right at me. No ski mask, no weapon, just watching me. I wondered if he'd maybe walked into the wrong apartment and was going to apologize and leave, but as he continued to stare, I realized I needed to do something other than just gape at this stranger in my house. I stood taller, puffed out my chest in an attempt to look more threatening, which is hard to do as a small female, and used a loud, clear voice telling him to get out of my apartment and that he had no business being there. He completely ignored me, as if I hadn't even spoken. Then he began to pick up my things, my cell phone, my keys, my wallet. He picked them up methodically and put them into his own pockets. That's when it truly hit me that this person was dangerous. I was naive enough to believe this was all a mistake up until that moment. I darted forward toward the only other device I had that would allow me to get help, my computer. I had to take a few steps closer to the intruder in order to reach it, but still had about 10 feet between us so I knew I could grab it and run before he could reach me. As I picked it up and turned to run, I saw him start to move after me, and I sprinted back toward the bathroom because it was the only place I could go and put two locked doors between us, my bathroom door and the closet door. I slammed and locked the first door 
and within seconds, I could hear him messing with it, trying to open it. I ran into the closet and locked that door too, opening my computer and getting on Facebook Messenger to contact my husband. I sent message after message, pleading with him to call 911 and tell them there was an intruder in the apartment. He got the messages within minutes and assured me that he had a dispatcher on the phone and was leaving work himself to try and get to me if he could. I waited and waited. The bathroom door opened and the intruder came inside. He moved to the closet door and started trying to break that down too. Here's the part where people usually start giving me advice on how I should have acted. But all I can tell you is that I was frozen with fear, with shock. I don't know with what else. But I didn't scream or cry or search for a weapon in that dark closet. I didn't brace the door or try to hold it closed. I just knelt in my closet and waited to die because I felt as if that's what was going to happen. People like to tell me that I lived in an apartment. Surely if I'd screamed, someone would have heard and come to help. Surely there was something heavy enough in my closet to use to defend myself. Hell, even the laptop I had would hurt if I swung it at someone. Why didn't I do anything? And I don't really have an answer for that. But the closet door miraculously held. I heard frustrated footsteps go back out into the living area of my apartment. I heard things breaking, bottles shattering, my drawers and refrigerator and cabinets being flung open as things were torn out of them. I continued to sit in that closet, silently crying, wanting to leave, but feeling that death was inevitable. I feel awful about my selfishness in that moment, but I messaged my mom, who lived a 15 hours drive away, and told her what was happening. I desperately wanted comfort and to tell her how much I loved her. I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine the fear and helplessness I put her through knowing her daughter was in danger and there was absolutely nothing she could do to help. She messaged me constantly, begging me to keep replying. I told her I would, as long as I could, but I also told her to tell my brothers that I loved them, to help my husband through whatever happened next if it were to end badly for me. The intruder started messing with the closet door again, mumbling disjointed words that I couldn't really distinguish. I remember hoping that the police would get to the apartment before my husband, that he wouldn't be the one to find me in whatever state this invader left me in. The front door opened again, and it was my husband, shouting for me. The intruder broke away from trying to kick down the door and walked out towards the living room again. That's when I took the opportunity to open the door and dart from the closet to find my husband, who at this point was on the ground with the assailant, pinning him in place. The man kept mumbling, at times yelling, but never really put up much resistance. Now this entire part is a blur for me. I remember feeling like the room was spinning, filled with fear, mostly for my husband at this point. Eventually, the police found their way to the apartment. It took them about 25 minutes to arrive, which still blows my mind. I know time seems to move slowly during scary situations, so I thought it was less than that, but from the time my husband dialed 911 to the time officers arrived, it was 25 excruciating minutes. This isn't intended to bash them in any way. 
It just always seemed like this was an unusually long response time for a home invasion. They got my things back from the man and took him out of my apartment. I numbly went through the process of filing a police report and telling them all that happened. One of the officers commented that I should really keep my door locked at all times. I remember feeling like he was being insensitive at the time or blaming me for what happened. But later, I recognized his words were coming from experience. I'm sure he's seen the situation end differently for other people. Within 30 minutes, the scariest incident of my life was over. But I've carried the fear, the violation, the anxiety of having someone intrude into my space for years. It happened to me once. It could happen again. If you've made it this far, I want to thank you for listening. And please consider continuing, because this isn't all doom and gloom. If this or something similar has happened to you, and you're still struggling with the aftermath of it, the sleepless nights, the laying awake listening for sounds of forced entry, the nightmares, the constant checking and rechecking your locks. This is what eventually helped me. A year after this took place, my husband and I moved to the Midwest for his job. We selected a safe town with a nice apartment complex, and we chose a third floor apartment with only one point of entry. I looked up every statistic on crime for the neighborhood, only finding that isolated instances of car theft were the only things reported in decades although I still couldn't sleep at night. It was definitely better than staying in the same apartment in Memphis, but my husband often works night shifts now, and I simply couldn't continue being terrified to sleep. I realized my biggest fear wasn't that something could happen again, but that if it did, I was just as unprepared now as I was then. I hadn't changed anything other than locking my door, and I knew I would likely freeze up again and leave my life up to being able to hide well enough or having a door hold long enough to save me. And I felt that that was unacceptable. I walked into a martial arts school with an excellent self-defense program, introduced myself, and started taking classes. At first, I was quiet, hiding in the back of the room and generally keeping to myself. My instructor, who is both incredibly kind and incredibly insightful, slowly built up my confidence and brought me out of my bubble of fear. After several months of training, I finally shared my reason for taking classes with him, and he's worked with me tirelessly to give me the ability to protect myself in any environment. I've been training for years now, and the difference it has made in every aspect of my life is unbelievable. The meek, quiet girl that waited to die in her closet doesn't exist anymore. I'm confident, I'm strong, I'm worthy of living and protecting myself in my home. I no longer am ashamed of how I handled the situation I was in, but I also understand what steps I can take to ensure that I'm safe. It wasn't easy, and it didn't happen overnight, but it was absolutely worth it. I recognize this might not be a solution or option for everyone. Your experience is valid, and however you decide to cope with your own story is the right choice for you. This is how I happen to do it, and it's worked well for me. This story took place in the summer of 2023. Last year, I transferred with my company to take a new position in a major Midwestern city. 
my spouse was still working and living back in California for the next few months. So I rented a studio apartment for myself in a newly renovated apartment building in a popular downtown neighborhood until we could look for a place together. The apartment was small, but very nice. It was in a secure building with interior hallways and a nice downstairs lobby. I was one of the first tenants to move into this newly renovated building and other new residents soon started to move in. A major advantage of this move was that I'd only be a couple of hours drive from my hometown and my family. I started my new job and everything was going great. I was enjoying my new neighborhood and the neighbors in the apartment building generally kept to themselves, just like I did. Then a new guy moved in next door to me and everything seemed to change. We'll call him David. David was a single man in his 60s and was very different from the college students and young professionals who lived in our building. I started noticing his erratic behavior almost immediately. I would come home from work and he would be sitting in his car in our small parking lot, just staring off into the distance. We were having issues that summer with smoke clouds coming over from the vast Canadian wildfires. They were leaving a light dusting of ash on our cars that looked similar to pollen. David was convinced that someone was spraying this dust on his car and was accusing various tenants he would run into in the parking lot of it. He would hoard trash in his apartment and leave trash bags in the hallway, causing a foul odor to fill the building. He would also yell to himself in the hallway. I finally had enough and complained to the leasing office, although the manager was quick to dismiss my concerns, saying that she'd been in his apartment and everything was fine. In August, my parents' 50th wedding anniversary was coming up, and I was excited to go home and spend a weekend with them. A few days before their anniversary, my boss informed me that he would be flying into work on an important project with me that would have us working through the weekend. I was really disappointed and felt like I was letting my parents down, but I managed to get away for a quick overnight trip to spend the night with them in the middle of the week. That way, I got to see them and get back before my boss was due to arrive. The next morning, before leaving my parents, I checked my email as I was getting ready to head back. There was an email from my apartment manager in regard to the quote, incident, the night before. The email itself was pretty vague, but it stated that a resident was deceased and there would be further details coming later. My heart sank and I immediately went pale. For some reason, my mind instinctively went to my strange neighbor, David. I opened a local news app for my city, and the top story was about an active shooter in my apartment building who was killed during a SWAT team standoff the night before. Apparently, David had approached another neighbor of ours on the hallway with a gun and threatened to shoot him. The neighbor was able to quickly evade David and run back into his apartment before calling 911. David also called 911 and told the dispatcher that his neighbors were hacking his phone and if the police didn't come, he was going to start shooting people. The police came and tried to talk David down, but he had barricaded himself in his apartment and also claimed to be heavily armed. The state police and SWAT team soon arrived, and David began firing a rifle out of his window at anyone he saw in the parking lot below. Strangely, throughout the night, there were reports of random gunshots emanating from his apartment as well that weren't out the window or at any of the cops down below. All of the neighbors on my floor 
were essentially trapped in their apartments with no way of escape. They were told to lay down and barricade themselves in their own apartments, away from the gunfire. There happened to be another building across the street with a direct line of sight into our apartment building. I learned that a police sniper took a position on the building across the street and shot David through his window when the opportunity presented itself. The police then flew a drone into his open window and confirmed that he was dead, with a gun still in hand. Luckily, no one else was injured. I returned home later that day to a bullet-riddled apartment building and a parking lot that still had shell casings strewn about. Neighbors who normally didn't speak to each other were hugging and crying and showing each other videos of the incident from their hiding places. As I went into my own unit, everything looked to be how I left it, until I went into my bedroom, where I saw six individual holes in my wall. The wall that was shared between my apartment and David's. Turns out, those random gunshots heard before David was downed were him firing through his bedroom and into mine, as if I needed any more reinforcement in my mind. But I can honestly say that I've never been so lucky to be out of town on a specific night. If my boss hadn't messed up my plans, I would have been home that evening, possibly right in the line of fire. I'm sorry that David didn't get the mental health attention that he needed, because he obviously needed it. But I also cannot reconcile how he put so many lives at risk. All I can say is that I'm thankful that no one else was hurt that night. The story I'm about to share is a couple of years old now. I'm a 20-year-old guy, but at the time, I was 17 years old, living a relatively quiet life in rural northern Montana. I don't party a lot or do stupid stuff, but I do love driving in the mountains. Little did I know, this could have cost me my life. In August of 2020, I was enjoying some free time on my day off from work. I decided to go take a drive in the mountains north of Kalispell. I drive this little red box Nissan Frontier straight out of the 90s with a super temperamental transmission for background. The drive was pretty uneventful. Typical a-hole drivers, big diesels, northern highway dreariness. It was a foggy, cold, and rainy day, so I figured nobody would be in the mountains at this time, and I would be all alone up there. When I pulled off the main road and up the mountainous dirt road, I felt normal like nothing was wrong other than my damn transmission. I'm heading up the road for about two hours until I hit a peak and get out to take some pictures. This is something I usually do for the memories. Nothing was truly out of the ordinary, and it was silent up there, other than the wind whistling through the trees and the rain. I was glad that I truly felt alone. Until I got the feeling. You know, that feeling you get in your core when someone or something is looking at you? I was just standing there motionless, listening to any noises that might alert me to someone's presence. But there was nothing. Just absolute stillness. I start slowly walking back to my truck when I hear a loud boom and a sound like you hear in those old western movies. 
my fight or flight was instantly in sixth gear, and I sprinted back to my truck now, started it up, and by the grace of God or some other higher being, was able to get it into first quickly and sped off. I found a spot large enough and turned the truck around and hauled as much ass as this little four-banger could do back down the mountain road and onto the highway. I drove completely flat out down the highway to the nearest gas station where I stopped. I was honestly bricks at this point because it wasn't hunting season. I didn't see or hear anyone else out there, and there was absolutely no way I could be mistaken for an animal. I exit the driver's side to see if the truck was damaged at all, and lo and behold, there was a single massive bullet hole, I'm going to guess 7mm round sized hole, in the side of my truck. It went in by the rear fender and came out through the tailgate. I immediately called the county sheriff, but since there was no bullet or other evidence, there wasn't much that they could do. Nothing else really happened that day, but I haven't gone back to that area since. I know this may not be as exciting as other stories found here, but to whoever shot at me, alone, in the middle of the northern Montana wilderness, you are a terrible shot, and let's never meet.